Hello everyone and welcome to episode 41 of Added Time, a Games and Graps studio podcast. And this week I'm back to my usual format of talking about the Premier League and anything else that is going on in the wonderful world of professional football. Last week's episode, the bonus episode where I talked about Leicester and the mess that they are in, uh, very well received and a big thank you to everyone that listened to the podcast. It's the most listened to podcast I've done since week one, which is fantastic. And a huge thank you to anyone and everyone that was sharing the podcast on Instagram and and various other places as well. It's greatly appreciated and it's given me something to think about for next season, uh, at least. But let's get straight into this week's podcast. I want to talk about the Premier League and the results from last week. I'm going to just briefly go over the England team that has been announced, or the England squad that has been announced for the upcoming qualifiers. Talk about the unfortunate scenes over in Spain uh, regarding Vinicius Jr. And then we'll round it up by going through the last Premier League fixtures of the 22-23 season. So let's start off with Premier League from last week. So Spurs 1, Brentford 3. Kane opening the score in absolutely wonderful goal. He's 28th of the season, which is an incredible return, considering he's playing in a team that has struggled a bit this season. They've been a bit flaky. However, he's not going to win the golden boot because of Haaland, essentially. He's now less than 50 goals behind Alan Shearer, which he'll he'll be able to reach that target of 260, you know, barring any sort of major injuries, or if he was to leave the Premier League, which I don't think he will do. I'm pretty sure he will stay in the Premier League, so I think he'll want that record. As for Brentford, you know, a wonderful, wonderful performance, you know, and comeback as well, when you consider that, you know, Kane had scored after the eighth minute, and they were 1-0 up at half-time, but second half... Brentford were fantastic. Three goals in the second half without Ivan Tony, who has been suspended or banned essentially from all football for eight months following uh, being found guilty of breaching rules around betting. But 20 goals for Ivan Tony. So that is a big miss for, for Brentford. It's going to be a, a huge pair of boots to fill for Brentford next season. They're going to be without him until January. Can someone in the current squad step up? You know, what do they, do they buy somebody in? You know, knowing that actually Tony is still going to be the main man. Gareth Southgate has spoken about it today when he announced his England squad that despite the fact that Tony will miss half of next season and probably won't get up and running until February time next year, that he would still consider him in the squad for Euro 2024. So it'll be interesting what what Brentford do in terms of that. I mean, Mbwemo stepped up to the plate at the weekend and got a couple of goals. But going back to Spurs, you know, they're desperate for a manager. They're desperate for some investment on the playing side. And it's very much needed if Spurs want to get back and recapture that sort of so-called glory days that they had under Poch where they were qualifying for the Champions League and challenging for the title because they're just a shadow of that team right now. The fact that they're able to finish where they're going to finish is actually 
some, some achievement, to be honest. So a lot of work to do for Spurs. Uh, Arnie Slot, who has, I believe, just won the league with Feyenoord, is being heavily linked with the job. Obviously, there's been talk of Nagelsmann. There's been talk of Enrique as well. The new name in the picture is Arnie Slot. So, again, interesting times coming up this summer for Spurs. United beat Bournemouth 1-0. Casemiro with an early goal. So, United just need a point now to get Champions League football. Uh, They can still get top three as well. It depends what Newcastle do. Uh, For Bournemouth, three defeats in a row. They're very much, I would say, on the beach now because they are safe. Doesn't bode well for the weekend for me, uh, which I'll come on to a little bit later on. United are in action tomorrow night at time of recording. They're playing Chelsea. So a point there and Champions League is back at Old Trafford. As it should be. As it should be. Uh, Fulham and Palace played out a 2-2 draw. Mitrovic with two for Fulham. Uh, Eduardo, Edward, sorry, for Palace with his fifth of the season. And Joel Ward getting the equaliser a bit late on to get a draw. Again, two teams, perfectly safe. Not Can't get to Europe and all that sort of stuff. So a 2-2 draw, good for both teams, I would say. Liverpool Villa, late Firmino goal in his last appearance at Anfield before he leaves on a free transfer in the summer. Kept Liverpool's top four hopes alive at that time. But it does look like to me that United will get that and that Liverpool will be playing Europa League football next season. Uh, Ramsey with uh, his sixth goal of the season. Uh, Villa can still get sixth if Brighton lose the next two, one of which they are playing right now. They're playing Man City at home and it's currently 1-1. They need Villa to, you know, Villa need to win and Brighton need to lose their next two for, for Villa to get top six. Either way, I think Villa have had an unbelievable season. They've got an incredibly talented manager and they are being linked with some good players as well and if they can get those players through the door you know they could be they could be up there again next season there's absolutely no reason why I couldn't see that to be honest Everton scored a 99th minute goal Yeri Mina uh, with that goal to help them salvage a much needed and very important point for Everton Against Wolves, which keeps their survival hopes alive going into the final weekend. Uh, Interesting news coming out of Wolves is that they are set to have talks with uh, the manager, Julian Lopetegu. Apparently there is some sort of misunderstanding or maybe there wasn't, the truth wasn't, a few white lies were being told around the finances that were there at the club and... The early sort of reports are suggesting that Wolves are going to have to sell quite a few players this summer to stay within FFP regulations. So that's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next few weeks because under Lopetegu, you know, Wolves have looked better. You know, they've lost a couple of games and against teams that you would think that they would be. And but I think I I feel like the fans 
do like Lopetegu. I might be wrong. You know, I can't speak for Wolves fans. They're not my club. But it's it's upheaval that the club doesn't need. I would I would imagine. So let's see what happens there. Forest are safe following a one nil win against title challengers Arsenal, and that defeat meant that Man City were crowned champions for the fifth time in six seasons uh, without even kicking a ball. So Forest beating Arsenal one nil. Um, a one year with the goal and I thought Forrest were excellent the fight, the desire, the passion they had the home crowd completely behind them as they have for pretty much every single game this season so that's five goals in three for a one year uh, and that's been absolutely vital in this in this running because when, when Forrest conceded uh two late goals against Brentford about four or five weeks ago. Myself and a lot of other people were thinking, that's it, Forrest are pretty much done. Forrest will definitely go down. But what a job Steve Cooper's done. Every The start of the season, along with Leicester, they had an absolutely terrible start to the season. Then Leicester beat them 4-0 at home and everyone and, and, and the, the feeling was that, well, Leicester have been awful. If they can't beat Leicester, then Forrest are doomed. And every time there's been talk around Cooper getting the sack, you know, there's been none of this sort of silent treatment. The owners have come out and gone, no, we're backing this manager. You know, they signed something like 25 players in the summer. They had to because they had a lot of loan players and they had to replace those and players going out uh, that went on a free. So there was a method behind the madness. There's, it's not like the situation at Chelsea where they've bought players for the sake of it and now they've got too many. There was a reason for it. I've said it all season that if Forest were to stay up, it will be their home form. And 30 of their 37 points that they currently have have come from home games. And that is incredible. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that next season, I think Forest finish... Around mid table, anywhere. I mean, mid table is obviously tenth, but I think they could finish maybe ninth. They maybe somewhere between ninth and thirteenth. Let's just say, I think they'll have a good season. Team will be a bit more settled. Another season of Premier League experience under their belt. I think. I think they might do well. They might also suffer from second season syndrome and be bottom but <laughs> we don't know that is my that's my prediction for next season when it comes to forest uh for arsenal it's uh, the end of the road in terms of the title challenge and look everyone sort of said that now nah, arsenal won't win the league city will come good eventually and they'll win the league so what's happened is only what everyone's been saying and you know Arsenal fans were rightly excited when they were top of the league and they were doing absolutely brilliantly and the team looked unstoppable. And trust me, you do get excited. You do get carried away with yourself. I mean, on the rare occasion this season when Leicester have won a couple of games in a row, I've sat there and gone, that's it, we're back. We're back, no problems. We're going to be up the league and you know we're going to be 
we're going to be fine and then just, you know, we'll go again next season. So I can't blame Arsenal fans for getting, some Arsenal fans for getting carried away. And I know there's this great debate around, well, United have had a more successful season. It's like, well, yes, they've won a trophy. So, you know, where's these sort of debates are just there to antagonise people that are easily wound up, effectively. But Arsenal are back in the Champions League. Feels like it's been a very, very long time since they've played in the Champions League. Obviously, they missed out on it last season when it was almost nailed on. I don't know whether this Arsenal team will challenge again next season. I feel like next season, Liverpool will be better. Chelsea have to be better as well. And then I think United and United and Newcastle are also there or thereabouts as well. You know, the the gap between second and third, fourth, you know, or even top and third and fourth, you know, the gap is big and it's a big gap to close. But I do see more, more teams pushing City next season. You've got to go with City because... Yes, they might sell one or two players, or one or two players might leave in the form of Gundogan, Bernardo Silva, for example. But they'll just replace them with all that money that they've got. So, yeah, it remains to be seen what happens next season. I, th- I think there'll be more teams pushing, and it it'll be interesting to see how how Arsenal do next year with Champions League as well. I know they had Europa League this year, but, you know, a, a club like Arsenal can rest players in the group stages quite easily. Champions League, I'm not sure how it's going to work, if they're going to be seeded or not, and what potential groups they could get. I mean, you've got to remember that Real Madrid haven't won La Liga this year, so could they get Real Madrid in the group stages? God knows what's happening in Serie A because I think Juventus have been docked 10 points again. Could they face a Napoli in the group stage? I don't really know. I'm not, I'm not really sure and, and we'll know more when we get to that stage. But I think Arsenal can be Arsenal fans can be pleased and they can be proud with how the season's gone for most part. For the most part, it's disappointing that they've not for them it's been it's disappointing they've not been able to see it over the line but it's man city at the end of the day and when it comes to title runnings i read the stat out the other week they still haven't lost uh, they haven't lost so far in the in the remaining in this in this current running they're just a machine of a team they're uh, they're unbelievable they're on a 12 match winning run man city they're drawing at the moment. So. Okay, moving on to West Ham 3, Leeds 1. So Leeds rooted to the relegation zone. They did take the lead through Rodrigo. It was a great goal. Really good goal. But Rice with a goal 10 minutes before half time. And then West Ham with two more in the second half Bowen and Lanzini. And this off the back of West Ham reaching the Europa Conference League final where they'll play Fiorentina. And it doesn't look good for Leeds. It's going to be quite difficult for them 
this weekend if they were to, you know, a lot has got to happen for them to stay up and for it to be Leicester and Everton that go down and join Southampton. But stranger things have happened in football. Potentially, we saw Declan Rice's last game uh, at the London Stadium in a West Ham shirt. A lot of rumours about him potentially going to Arsenal. I still think Chelsea might come in with a with a bit of a last-minute bid on him if they can shift some of their players. So that will be one to keep an eye out for. And the West Ham haven't had a fantastic season. They've stayed up with two or three games to go, but they've reached a cup final. And it's that thing of, if you win the trophy, you, you've got to take that as a, as a good season, I guess. You know, West Ham won't be wanting to go into, won't be wanting to have a, a similar season where you know, they've lost lost a few games and at one point looked like they could get dragged into a relegation battle. But I'm sure they will be more than happy with a, a Conference League trophy. Brighton are guaranteed European football. Uh, they for next season. So they could get Europa League, they could get Conference League, but they're guaranteed European football next season. 3-1 win against relegated Southampton. Evan Ferguson with two, who's had a a fantastic breakout season and uh, gross with the other goal. El Nusi with with the Southampton goal. And Southampton's last win was 13 games ago against Leicester. Uh, And they've only picked up three points from a possible 36 so not good for Southampton and I imagine that their fans just want this season over and done with and they can look forward to playing in the championship next season. Who they'll be joined by? It's going to be two of three, which I'll talk about later. Okay, Champions City, 1-0 win against Chelsea. Alvarez with the goal. City resting quite a few of their players and I'm just going to read out Man City's bench. Gundogan, Grealish, Rodri, Kevin De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, Edison, Haaland, Diaz and Stones. Wow. (laughs) That's some bench. I mean, in Haaland and Grealish alone, that's 150 million. I mean, they did, they, they, uh, you know, they didn't exactly pay 50p in a pack of cornflakes for De Bruyne and Diaz. Uh, Stones wasn't cheap either. Very, very expensive and very talented bench. But yeah, comfortable one 0 winners. It was a, it was a weird game. It was played like a, a testimonial or like a preseason friendly. And I don't want to be too critical of the Man City fans. I know that they are the butt of joke, butt of the jokes. You know, when it comes to things like oh, the empty had and all this sort of thing and how poor the atmosphere is and I know that they are used to winning the league now like I said earlier that's their fifth Premier League in six seasons you know there are there are some players in that City team that have got five Premier League trophies and they could still play for I mean in Phil Foden's case he turns 23 next week and he's got five Premier Leagues already you know he's he he could and probably should surpass some of those United lads from from back in the day. God, that makes me sound old. Uh, who won seven, eight, nine sort of Premier League? So 
Yeah. Um, as for Chelsea, they just need that season to end. They could they could end up finishing thirteenth this season. The highest they can finish is eleventh. I imagine that, although not officially announced, I imagine that Mauricio Pochettino is working tirelessly already to see how he can make improvements and what his team and what his squad is going to look like next season. It doesn't look like they're going to be able to keep hold of Mason Mount. He's been heavily linked with Man United. I think Liverpool are also interested as well. And I've said on previous podcasts, they're going to be looking at probably offloading around 13 to 14 players this summer. So there's going to be some uh, a bit of a revolving door at uh, at Chelsea. Um, I just want to quickly talk about City and obviously with them winning winning the league and just sort of give my perspective of it because for me, this is one of the best teams we've seen in the Premier League. I'm not going to say it's the best because, you know, football changes and a team of, you know, this Man City team, it was different. It's different now to than it when the 99 United team or the even the Invincibles uh, there's been some great Premier League teams. You know, you've got the United treble winning side, the the 07 to 09 United side, uh, Chelsea when Mourinho came in, and I think they conceded about 16 goals all season. The Invincibles, you know, this Man City team, the Man City team that got a hundred points uh, two or three seasons ago. So, I'm not necessarily going to go into that debate. I think the big the, the big thing that people have been talking about is that this this championship this this title win and the potential for them to win the treble this year is under that shadow of the investigation into the and, and the hundred and fifteen charges that have been brought against City. And does it does it put a cloud over what they've achieved? Now, for me, Pep is a genius of a manager. And I know people will say, well, he's a checkbook manager. I guarantee you, if Pep was at PSG, they'd win the league far more comfortably than they do right now, and they'd get a lot further in the Champions League. So having the best players in the world doesn't necessarily bring you success. Yes, they can... What it is with City is that they can identify a player and just pretty much bid what they want. When they bought John Stones, for example, was he one of the best centre-backs in the world? No. But he was wanted. Pep obviously realised that... I'm sure it was Pep that bought him. (laughs) Now I've said that. I'm pretty sure it was. But my point is, is that they can identify a player and although it might not be one that, you know, Real Madrid are clamouring for or PSG are clamouring for, they can identify it and the club says, no, he's not for sale. City can just go, well, we'll give you this. The perfect example is Jack Greenish. Obviously, he was the big fish at Aston Villa. And... One of the best left wingers in the world? No, absolutely not. Probably not even one of the best left wingers in the Premier League at that time. 
he was a good player for Villa. You know, a very good player. But the point is, is that Pep obviously identified or saw something in Grealish that he thought, I can take this player to the next level. However, Aston Villa said, we want 100 million. Now, if a club like United are interested in Grealish or Liverpool or Spurs even, and they're told by Aston Villa it's 100 million or don't even bother calling us, the call doesn't happen. With Man City, they go, okay, it's 100 million. Do you want it all up front? Or are you bothered about instalments? Because we'll pay it. And that's the big difference, is that yes, they're a checkbook manager in the... It's, it's, they're a checkbook team and they're a, they're a team that can go and buy anyone, but they don't just go for the big players. They haven't done a PSG and been like, oh, we want Mbappe, Neymar and Messi and they've, and they've got them, you know. Pep buys players that he thinks will work in his system and players that he can make better. He's made Grealish better. Grealish has had a fantastic season. Riyad Mahrez has gotten better under Pep. You know, I talked about it the other week. Even Aguero got better under Pep and I expect Haaland to get even better. So there's no doubting that Pep is a fantastic manager and a genius of a manager, etc., etc., However, these breaches and these these things that City are being investigated over, if they have done what they're being accused of, that's the reason they've got Pep. The reason they've got Pep is because they've been able to, pre-Pep Guardiola, been able to inflate their revenue to bring in the best manager in the world. And then he wins five titles in six seasons. That's where the issue is for me. And I think if they do win if they do win the the treble, then absolutely hats off to them. And it will be it won't necessarily be because they can buy who they want. It will be down to the fact that Pep is able to get a group of insanely talented players and make them play the way he wants them to play. But it will be, it will, for me, it will be tarnished if they are found guilty of any of these, of these charges that are up against them. So there you go. That's just my take on, on City. I mean, they're an absolute, they're an absolute delight to watch. And I've said it before that they've got a number of players in that team that I look at and just watch in awe, even at my age. And I've... I've effectively lived through the Messi-Ronaldo era, yet these City players just are, are just unbelievable. So, right, the final game uh, before I move on to the England squad: Newcastle nil, Leicester nil. So Leicester with one shot on target or one shot all game, which was on target in the ninety-third minute, I believe, twenty-two percent possession all game. With that point, Newcastle have qualified for the Champions League uh, for the first time in 20 years, which is an outstanding achievement. I know Newcastle now have this uh, vast pot of money. Uh, however, you know Eddie Howe has done has done a great job, and a number of their players have have been absolutely superb this season. So Leicester are still in the bottom three. They can still stay up so it is going to go to the last game they can stay up but things need to happen 
etc etc um very quickly me personally as a Leicester fan I wasn't angry or upset or pissed off with the tactics that Dean Smith employed at the weekend uh, sorry on Monday night uh I wish he'd done it a little bit sooner especially when we played like Liverpool at home for example that extra point or two if we'd have just if we'd have just parked the bus and, and ground out a couple of draws those extra points or two would have pretty much seen us safe now so this is why I think it may possibly be a little too you know it's a bit bit late in terms of what we've done but I wasn't upset by it and you know it's a real shame that that chance right in the end didn't go in because it would have been some top tier shit housery to uh Somewhat ruin Newcastle's party and win a game of football with 22% possession. But there we go. Right then. So let's uh, let's talk about the England squad. Uh, this shouldn't take me too long, to be honest. So England have two qualifiers coming up. So just as when you think the season is done, we've got two qualifiers. Uh, they're after the Champions League finals. I think I think these games are around the... 16th or 17th of, of June, uh, around that time. Yeah, 17th and then probably two or three days later for the other one. Playing Malta away and North Macedonia at Old Trafford, I believe. I don't think it's being played at Wembley. So, the T, the squad even is Sam Johnson, Jordan Pickford, Aaron Ramsdale make up your goalkeepers. Nick Pope hasn't been selected because he's got... To have an operation on his hand. Trent has been called back up. A call up for Lewis Dunk. First time in five years. Mark Gahey. Harry Maguire has interestingly been called up. Tyrone Mings. Luke Shaw. John Stones. Kieran Trippier. And Kyle Walker. Uh, notable absentees there. Um, uh, Tamori isn't in. Uh, not really sure why. He played. He played last week in the. Champions League semi-final against Inter Milan. Chilwell and Reese James are injured as well. Uh, another Chelsea player that is not in the squad is Mason Mount. Again, that is due to injury. But Conor Gallagher is in, along with Jude Bellingham, Jordan Henderson, Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice, and a call-up for Eberichi Eze of Crystal Palace. So, Fair play to him. Uh, he's had a very, very good end to the season. I believe it's... Sorry about that. I believe it's uh, six in his last eight. So, good end to the season and a much-deserved call-up. Uh, I'm guessing... Oh, no. I can see his name there. Sorry, I was about to say Saka's not been called up, but he has. And then your forwards is Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Harry Kane. James Madison has been called up, despite his... Uh, Little drop off in form, shall we say? Uh, Bakaya Sacco uh, and Callum Wilson. Did I say Marcus Rashford? If I did, I'm repeating. If I haven't, Rashford's been called up as well. So that is the squad. And there's some of the names in there that obviously haven't been called up. You know, Eric Dyer. I'm not surprised. Uh, to be honest, he hasn't been called up. Um, I imagine that had he not been serving this ban that Ivan Tony would have been called up as well. I'm not sure who for because obviously Callum Wilson's had a fantastic end to the season as well for Newcastle. So that'd have been interesting to see. Maybe he would have uh, 
maybe wouldn't have taken one of the defenders. I don't know, actually. Don't know. Don't know who Tony would have got in there for instead of maybe Madison, possibly. But we shall see. But they're two games that uh, England should win quite comfortably, despite it being pretty much the end of the season. Uh, the Man City contingent are going to join up with the squad after the Champions League final, as is Declan Rice. He's going to join up with the squad after the Conference League final. So, yeah. I think that's a, that's a, a good group of players. I look at the defence and I think, mm, not really sure about that. But against Malta and Macedonia, there shouldn't be any issues at all. England don't tend to lose qualifiers. So, there we go. Right, I want to quickly talk about what happened uh, at the weekend regarding uh, Vinicius Jr., the Real Madrid and Brazil winger. So, if you haven't seen it, effectively Vinicius Jr. was being racially abused for the whole game in the weekend's game, uh, Real Madrid versus Valencia, at Valencia. And it all flared up at the end of the game and Vinicius reacted to something he heard directly you know, from, from a certain someone in the crowd saying something racist. But I mean, the whole stadium at one point were chanting uh, racist slurs towards him. And this isn't the first time this has happened to Vinicius. Um. There was then a bit of an altercation, all the players getting involved. And essentially what happened is uh, one of the Valencia players got Vinicius in a headlock. And he held on to this headlock for a few seconds. As he came out of the headlock, Vinicius swung an arm. You know, it wasn't like a punch or a forearm smash or anything like that. He just swung an arm, made contact with the player. The player went down like he'd been hit by Tyson Fury. Um, and... It all sort of kicked off. It then goes to VAR, and this is where it gets just ridiculous. So the referee gets told to go over and have a look at the screen. And in the replay he's shown, it is conveniently... It conveniently starts just before Vinicius gets out of the headlock... Or just as he comes out of the headlock and he swings his arm. What the VAR referees didn't show the on-field referee on the screen was the headlock that Vinicius was in prior to that incident. Now, for me, you would still have to give Vinicius the red card, but you would also red card the Valencia player. Now, the reaction to all of this, the fact that Vinicius was sent off, that red card has been revoked. Um, the referee and I believe the VAR stat, the VAR refs. In fact, I think it's all the officials from that day have been sacked by La Liga. Now La Liga have responded to this quite quickly, which is surprising because they've not got the best record with when it comes to dealing with racism. So the referees have been sacked. Valencia have been signed for, uh, fined €45,000 and they have had a five-game uh, 
ban for one of their one, one side of their ground is going to have no fans. One of the stands will be closed for five games. Valencia are unbelievably appealing that. And there has been some stuff that has come out over this weekend and you just think, I can you, you cannot believe that in 2023 there is this level of ignorance towards racism that there is. And Vinicius posted a video on his Instagram which showed the different times throughout this season where fans have chanted en masse. I'm not just talking a group of 20 pissed up idiots who are being told by others to shut up. We're talking tens of thousands of fans making monkey noises, chanting things to the same sort of, you know, the same sort of language, all based on the colour of his skin. And credit to Vinicius, he has said, look, no, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna leave Real Madrid because if I do, then they've won. So look, it's the the rea- the reaction from other other footballers as well and the footballing world has been has been pretty unanimous in terms of this is disgusting and this isn't right. And it's a lot for a twenty two year old to have to deal with. And, you know, I don't really care how much he's paid and all this sort of stuff. It does not matter. If you're being racially abused week in, week out, you could be earning a million pound a week and it will still get to you. And especially with how young he is as well. So we wait and see if anything more happens with that. I mean, I can't I, I can't believe Valencia are, are appealing against the stand being closed for five games. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. It is crazy, but there we go. Um, That's pretty much all I've got to say about that. Okay. Let's finally, let's look at the final fixtures of the 22-23 season I'm not going to give my predictions because there's a lot of games here that are effectively dead rubbers but the ones that I feel are important I will give I'll let you know what I think (laughs) so Arsenal Wolves neither team really got anything to play for you've got Villa Brighton which I mentioned earlier Villa can still get sixth I think this will be a, a draw, to be honest. Uh, Brentford, Man City, Man City already champions. Chelsea against Newcastle again, another dead rubber. Unless Newcastle are hell bent on finishing third. Palace, Forest again, another game that doesn't really mean a lot. I mean, Forest are bottom of the away table, so I imagine that they'll probably want to go out on a positive, even if it's a draw. Now, these next three games are easily the biggest three games of the weekend. Let me just take a drink before I start. Now, I'm going to explain the permutations and everything the best I can. Okay. So, as it stands at the bottom of the table, you've got Southampton, who are relegated. You've then got Leeds, 
on 31 points with a goal difference of minus 27. You've got Leicester on 31 points with a goal difference of minus 18. And thanks to that point in the and that goal in the 99th minute, Everton are 17th on 33 points with a minus 24 goal difference. So only two of those teams can go down because Forest are on 37 so they are they are out of it um completely they are 100% safe for the season so Everton against Bournemouth if Everton win they stay up effectively that is that is as simple as that if Everton win they stay up they get 36 points if Everton lose or draw and Leicester win, Leicester will stay up on goal difference. Because Leicester will be on 34 points. Everton will either be on 33 points, in which case Leicester will stay up by a point. If Everton draw, they finish on 34 points themselves as well. But the goal difference is massively in Leicester's favour. So... Everton lose, Leicester win, Leicester stay up, Leicester win, Everton draw, Leicester stay up. Leicester have to win. A draw is no good, even if Everton lose. If Leicester then draw against at home to West Ham, they'll be relegated. So a draw is not good enough for Leicester. They have to win and hope that Everton drop points. Leeds are at home to Tottenham. And the only way that Leeds can stay up, if I'm right, uh, looking at this, if my maths is right, the only way Leeds can stay up is if Leeds win and Leicester and Everton lose. If Everton draw, but Leeds win by three or more goals, Everton will go down. Or Leeds will stay up, should I say. Because if if Leeds win, but Leicester win, oh God, now it's getting complicated. If Leeds win, but Leicester win as well, Leicester will stay up and Everton and Leeds will go down. So... Let's put this in simple in simple terms. Everton win, they stay up. If Leicester win and Everton win, Leicester go down. If Leeds win and Everton lose and and Leicester lose, Leeds stay up. So, that is where we're at. The job is quite simple for Leicester. And when I say simple, I mean that there's none of this, shall we play for a draw? Can we afford to draw? No. They've got to go and win. Which for me means that the pressure is on Everton. Do they try and go for the win? 
do they try and play for a draw and hope that Leicester don't win or that Leicester draw? Well, yeah, don't win. Do Everton play for a for a draw, knowing that they'll be okay because Leeds are losing? The pressure is on Everton, in my opinion. Leeds and Leicester know what they've got to do. They've got to win to even have a glimmer of, of hope of staying up. So Sunday is going to be nerve-wracking, to say the least. In my head, I can't see Everton... I can see Everton beating Bournemouth because Bournemouth have nothing to play for. However, apparently, Everton don't have a great record against Bournemouth. And when you factor in that there is pressure on Everton in that a draw might not be good enough for them, they've got to go out and win. Will the pressure get to them? Or will they just go out and do what they did to Brighton? Just bang, 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 three and a look before you know it, and then that's it. Leicester and Leeds are down. I don't think Leeds beat Spurs. If they do, you know, I could see it being quite high scoring, potentially. And I do think that Leicester will... I do think Leicester will beat West Ham. But West Ham aren't just going to roll over. These are these are these are professional players. These are Premier League players that have got professional pride. And I know that people are saying, "Well, West Ham will make a lot of changes," but I think it's a good couple of weeks before they play in the Conference League final. Let's just have a quick look at the date. Uh, so it's Wednesday, the seventh of June. So they've got a bit of time. So really, you know, I do see West Ham putting out a strong, a strong-ish team against Leicester. You know, Declan Rice might not play. Maybe one or two others. But they're not just going to roll over. They're not just going to. Uh, they're not just going to put a load of kids out and and Leicester win because that's that's unprofessional as well, and that is. That could be deemed as as giving Leicester a, a, a hand, effectively. So, I know it remains to be seen. Look, if Leicester win and Everton win, then Leicester are down. So, you know, me saying that Leicester win isn't me saying, oh, we're staying up, because I do see Everton beating Bournemouth. So, if, if that happens, then it'll be Leeds and Leicester that drop into the Championship next season. Uh, and then the final two games are United against Fulham by which point I think United will have secured top four. And then Southampton, Liverpool. I mean, you can only see a Liverpool win there. Maybe Southampton will want to go out with a bit of a bang, but I can't see it myself. And that's it. That is the fixtures for the last weekend of uh, of this season's Premier League. And what that also means is that in terms of this season, there's only going to be a couple of podcasts left. So I will obviously, regardless of what happens, it might take me a few days to get over it, potentially. I will do a podcast next week to discuss 
what's happened, who's been relegated, talk about all the drama. There might not be any drama. Who knows? I'll also be back to do a bit of an FA Cup final um, preview as well. Uh, I think I'll, I'll get I'll get Sonny on for that one if he's available. Obviously, the FA Cup final between United and City, the first Manchester Derby Cup final. And then we have the Champions League final as well, so I'll do a little bit of uh, one around the Champions League final, which, of course, is being... Uh, which is Man City versus Inter Milan. So, uh, I've covered a lot there. I've talked a lot. And, you know, if you've made it this far, then thank you very much. Uh, in terms of, you know, the future plans for this podcast... Regardless of what division Leicester are in, I would like to carry on and still do a, a Premier League podcast because I will still watch the Premier League if less even if Leicester are in the championship. You won't I won't be talking about Leicester if they're outside the league, of course, and uh heaven forbid I might have to talk about Coventry if they beat Luton at the weekend and actually get to the Premier League, which you know, if I take the rivalry out of it is would be an unbelievable achievement for either of those sides to get into the Premier League, considering where they were as little as five years ago. Uh, but I'm 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 considering doing a separate Leicester podcast, even if Leicester do stay up. I'm considering that as well. But it all depends on time. I mean, obviously, if Leicester are in the Championship for a good portion of the season, they're going to be playing twice a week as is the norm with the championship because there are there are more games in that league so right thank you very much for listening don't forget to check out the clubhouse podcast with Sonny G also there is a brand new episode of games and graps they the boys have finally got around to recording which is great and don't forget to support Finn over on YouTube and Twitch and that you'll find him by by searching for the Finn Steel. This has been episode forty one of Added Time. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for your ongoing support. I will speak to you all next week. Hopefully, I will be in a good mood. But if not, I'll be here regardless. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Stay well. And see you next time.